0: a request that was submitted just a minute ago, and I'm going to ask you to join with me and help me pray for a lady by the name of Lee Byram. A year ago, she tragically lost her husband suddenly, and then last night, her son, uh, she lost her son in an accident, an an automobile accident, and so we want to remember her in prayer right now. That God would just be strength and comfort and help. She's connected to this church family. And so let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come to you right now on behalf of Lee. We pray, Lord, that your presence would just be with her. That you would strengthen and comfort and help her even right now. God, I pray that your, your presence would become a real comforting source in this situation position people around her, position the angels of the Lord around her to comfort and minister. Help Lee, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Turn around look at that person beside you and say, how's your thinking? I have to question myself sometimes and I have to I catch myself. I was sharing with Brother Anthony a a little thing I'd seen today uh, because it was brought to my attention that sometimes I'm thinking I'm off over here somewhere, just like some of you are right now. I'm off over here somewhere, and, and then I realized that my precious wife was talking to me. And so I read this quote the other day that my wife starts every conversation with, so you weren't listening, were you? That's an odd way to start a conversation, so you weren't listening, were you? So I have to ask you, how's your thinking? Some of you are really astute when it comes to your thinking. You're you're on top of it when it comes to your thinking, and then the rest of you are right there with that pretty much. I'm just going to brag on you to start with. But I'm not even going to talk about a relationship with your spouse or relationship on the job or anything like that. God's put something in my heart for tonight, and I'm just going to simply title it Kingdom Thinking. We need to evaluate ourselves. We need to evaluate ourselves and see if we have the mindset of the kingdom. And the way we know that we have the mindset of the kingdom is that we are thinking like the king. We have the mindset of the kingdom when our thoughts are like his thoughts. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11, "For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God." Let's talk for the next few minutes on the thought kingdom thinking. God bless you as you're seated in Jesus' name. Look at the scripture with me one more time, that 1 Corinthians 2, 11. Look at that passage. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. The amplified version of that passage of scripture makes it a little clearer, the amplified version. The Amplified Bible just simply says, For what person knows the thoughts and motives of a man except the man's spirit within him? So also no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we've been talking about the church and the kingdom. The church is what we see right here. We see the church. We see the body of Christ. The church is the physical aspect of what we're all about the body of Christ the house of God the temple that's the church the church has structure the church has systems the church is a social connecting place we have all those things as part of the church but the kingdom is spiritual the kingdom is the realm the reign the rule of the king you can't see that right now it's spiritual I mentioned to you last Wednesday night that in teaching, Jesus used the term or the word church two times in the Gospels, those four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus used the word church two times, but he used the word kingdom or the word kingdom is used in his teachings 106 times. Jesus made the statement. He said that I will build my church. That's one of his usage of of the word in Matthew 16. And then in Matthew chapter 18, he talked about the governance inside the church and how we are to operate. The Bible says that he will build his church. And then he also tells us, or the word of God tells us in Acts chapter 2, that he added to the church daily such as should be saved. But when it comes to you and I, Jesus simply told us to pray the kingdom, seek the kingdom, and he taught us how to live the kingdom. I love the church. How many of you love the church? I love being in the church. I love being part of it. I've been part of it all my life. And, and I'm thankful for it. I love the systematic element of the church, the teaching, the preaching, the doctrine of it. I love the structural element, the organization, the pattern that we have of structure in the church. I love the social element. I love the fellowship, the companionship, the connection. But I want to remind you again that the power and the authority of the church is not in the system or the structure or the social element of it. Our power comes from the king. This is an operating part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not physical and tangible. But the kingdom of God is the operation of the spirit of God. It's the authority of God, the realm, the reign, and the rule of God. So when it comes to the kingdom, we're going to focus on three things right here off the bat. And that's pray, seek, and live. Pray, seek, and live the kingdom. Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6 when he's teaching us the, what we call the Lord's Prayer. He, he said in Matthew 6, 9, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Poke your neighbor and say, pray the kingdom. Pray the kingdom. Then he goes also on later in that passage of Scripture and he tells us to seek the kingdom. In Matthew 6, 31, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. So specifically we're told to pray the kingdom. Specifically we're told to seek the kingdom. Now, when it comes to live the kingdom, that's what he was instructing us to do in his teaching. Are you all with me? To live the kingdom is to pray the kingdom, to seek the kingdom, and then to live the teaching of the kingdom. So we pray the kingdom, seek the kingdom, and we live what he taught. We live the word of God. How do we do that? We do that through hearing we do that through believing and through obeying. We do that through consistent word-based decisions. We, we're here in this world, but our worldview needs to be a word view. We base everything we do on the Word of God. We are a word-based And so, through consistent word-based decisions is how we live the kingdom, and then through allowing the Spirit of God to guide us into the truths that he brings into our life. He concluded his teachings in Matthew chapter 7, that Sermon on the Mount. He concluded in Matthew 7 verse 21 when he made the statement, "...not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven." but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and here's the point, y'all, we looked at this before. But everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not. Shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. It doesn't matter how many sermons you hear, it matters what you're living, it matters if you're obeying it, if you're processing it in your life. You can, you can. Memorize every sermon that's been preached. But if you don't hear the word and do the word, you're likened unto that man that, that built his house upon the sand. It's he that heareth the word and doeth the word, that is establishing his life on the kingdom. John sixteen seven Jesus is teaching about how that the Spirit of God is going to interconnect with all this. And he said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth it is expedient for you that I go away. And if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. We know he's talking about the Holy Ghost. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come." He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall shew it unto you. So we pray the kingdom, seek the kingdom, we live the kingdom. And we live the kingdom by hearing, by obeying, by hearing, believing, and obeying, by consistent word-based decisions through allowing the Spirit of God to guide us into all truth. You know who gets in the way of us living the kingdom principles? We get in the way. We blame a lot of things on the devil that that he's just gleefully excited because we've overrated his his power. We do a lot of things ourselves because, you know what, it's not our sin nature that that really gives us a problem. It is that unsubmitted carnal nature in us that gives us a problem. So let's go on. We're going to deal with that. So the second point and what I want to talk to you about is this. How do we know? What God has and what God wants for our life—how do we know that? I love the scripture, and we're going to we're going to spend a minute here in Second or First Corinthians, chapter two. But uh, to preface that, Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 64 verse four. He said, "For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside Thee, what He hath prepared for Him." that waiteth for him. And then the psalmist said in Psalm thirty-one, nineteen: Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. These two preceding verses, these verses I just read, Paul has taken our attention to that thought when he writes to us there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and that's where we started a minute ago. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Paul says, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. What good is it if God's got a whole lot of stuff for his people but nobody knows about it? We don't live in a a kingdom where the king has said, I know some stuff but I'm not going to share it with you. I have some things, but I'm not going to give it to you. We don't live in that kind of kingdom. And so as you go on, verse 10, Paul writes, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep, things of god these things that the old testament prophet and the old testament psalms would have wanted to have looked into we now have insight into because we have the spirit of god if you're thankful for that you ought to just clap your hands to the lord i'm thankful so let's go on in verse 11 for what man knoweth the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him even so the things of god knoweth no man but the spirit of god i think we have an understanding of that i can stand and look at you and i can see that you are looking at me and that we're talking but uh, if you look past your eyes you can see that you're totally disconnected sometimes you all ever done that you all ever had a conversation with somebody That's why I mentioned what I did while I go about the husband-wife thing. You have a conversation with somebody and just you look and all of a sudden you just realize, they've been looking at me the whole time. But they're totally disconnected. And you wish you could crawl through their eyes and get into their brain and find out what they're thinking. Because we all encase our mind in this body right here. Now, mamas have a pretty good intuition. My mama that's sitting right back there, when I was growing up, she had four eyes, six eyes, maybe more. She had two right here in the front, those, what are they, mama, hazel-colored eyes? She's got hazel eyes. That's, she's the one they wrote that song about, I think. She got those hazel eyes, and she could pierce you. You ever been looked at by mom Beecham with those piercing eyes? She could pierce you with those eyes, but she had another set of eyes in the back of her head. You couldn't sneak in the house. You couldn't get away with anything. And then she had that 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 third set of eyes that could just, I mean, man, expose everything. And that's as close as I've ever gotten to knowing the mind of somebody else was just kind of looking through mama's eyes. But we understand that. We understand the thought that only the person that is in the control of this mind or this body is the one that really knows what's going on in the depths of those thoughts. No man knows another man's thoughts. But look what Paul's saying. For what man knoweth the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have not received, verse 12, we've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of the Lord? You don't know what a person's mind is, but by that person's spirit. But if we have the Spirit of God in us, then we have the king's intuition, the king's understanding, the king's insight. The Amplified Bible says in verse 15 and 16, but the spiritual man, that's the spiritually mature Christian, judges all things. That means he questions and examines and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals, yet is himself judged by no one. The unbeliever cannot judge and understand the believer's spiritual nature in verse 16, who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ, that is to be guided by his thoughts and purposes. We know the things of God through the Spirit of God, and we know the desire of God. Now, through the revealed Word of God and through the insight of the Spirit of God is how we know the things of God, and we know The desire of God. Therefore, the third and final point. Some of y'all just started listening and I'm about done. So I guess you'll have to go back and read the minutes. and uh, Not the minutes, the notes. And uh, we had a deacon meeting on Monday night. And I had minutes, I guess, on my brain. Um, The third thing is kingdom thinking. This is what I really wanted to get to. Is kingdom thinking. If we are genuinely kingdom-minded, we will have kingdom thinking. And kingdom thinking is thinking that will mirror the mind of the Lord. Kingdom thinking will mirror the mind of the Lord. Tozer, A.W. Tozer made this statement. He says, receiving the truth is not enough. Power comes from submitting and obeying. When our faith became or becomes obedient, the mighty energies of grace begin to operate. The main thing that hinders that is this flesh nature. We are always in danger of allowing teaching to substitute for living indoctrination is not regeneration and should never be mistaken for it how do we know the mind of the of the king It's simply by seeking what we we can know of the heart of God and in teaching about kingdom principles one of the greatest of all the chapters in the Bible in my opinion is Luke chapter 15 Jesus teaches three parables that illustrate the heart of God. He teaches the parable of the lost sheep, of the lost coin, of the lost son. We, are, we understand the, the, the premise, the idea of the lost sheep, the lost coin. The sheep that was lost, the shepherd went and found it. And he, Jesus sums it up by saying there's, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. And in the lost coin about going and finding the coin, sweeping the house till it's found, rejoicing because the coin is found. But Jesus starts that last parable. That's, we, we, we look at the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, but he twists it a little bit by starting this last parable this way. In Luke 15 and 11, he said, A certain man had two sons. The story of the first son is the story of that lost son that walked away, the one that lived it up. The one that, while he was at the hog pen, came to himself. He returned to the father. The father met him. We love that story. How many of you are familiar with that story? Wave your hand at me. We're familiar with the story. We call it the prodigal son. Look at these words, though, and we're going to tie it together with this. In Luke 15:20. In this story of the prodigal, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. That's what he had rehearsed while he was at the hog pen. He had rehearsed his speech, and now he's giving it to the father. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatty calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dance. Now, hold on. If he had have taught these parables the same way he taught about the lost sheep and the lost coin, it would have stopped there at verse 24. It all ended with celebration. Okay? But the elder son came. He was in the field, and he came and he drew nigh to the house, and he heard the music and the dancing. And he called one of the servants, and he asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatty calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go, in there, not, not go in, therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, he didn't even call him his brother. He didn't say as soon as my brother come home. He said, that's your son. As soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatty calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this, my, or this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is Found Now that's redemption. That is the, the great story of the grace and mercy of God. The was and is scenario. He was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now that story, that part of it goes along with the sheep and the coin. But you can't get away from the fact that Jesus started this story with a certain man had two sons. And then he fleshes out both their stories. The younger was the prodigal. The elder was the self-proclaimed faithful. So back up just for a moment. We're going to tie it together. But I want you all to see this because God woke me up with this this morning. I shared it with those Buckley and Jen heard this already. Y'all can take a nap if you want to. But uh, we talked about this in uh, Bible study at 10 o'clock. Luke 10, or 15, 25. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and said what, he asked what these things meant, and he said unto him, thy brother is come, and thy father killed the fatty calf because he has received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in, therefore came his father out and entreated him. Isn't it ironic, isn't it ironic that the prodigal came seeking the father, but the father had to come seeking the elder? Isn't that ironic that the the prodigal who was away from the house of God came seeking the father, but the elder who was never away from the house of God had to have the father come seeking him? And then the elders said, to the father verse 29 lo these many years do i serve thee neither transgressed i at any time thy commandment and yet thou never gavest me a kid that i might make merry with my friends but as soon as this thy son was come that's gone out and devoured your living with harlots you've killed for him the fatty calf And the father in his gentle, loving, compassionate, merciful nature. And he's just as compassionate to those that stayed in church as he is to those that left. And he said, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Now, I don't want to belabor the point, but go back one more time to verse 29. Verse 29. And look at that. Verse 29, the elder son said this, These many years I've served you. These many years I have kept your word, and yet you've never given me even a baby goat. The elder son looked at his father and says, I've been faithful in serving I've been faithful to the Word, but you've never given me anything. But let me tell you this, and this is what God wanted me to hear this morning from Him and what God wants me to bring to y'all. It's just as simple as this. The elder son was faithful in service. He was faithful to the Word. But what is tragic is he had never learned the heart of the Father. He never left the church. He never left the Word of God. But he never learned the heart of the Father. He was faithful in service. He was faithful to the Word. But he never learned the heart of the Father. Because when he had opportunity to express the heart of the Father, you know what he did? He manifest the nature of the flesh he looked at the Father, and he said, I never got what I deserved. That's flesh. And the Bible says in Romans 8, 8, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Paul writes to us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know what's ironic? The prodigal came back, To the heart of the father, the elder never left the church, but the elder never learned the heart of the father. The prodigal had more insight into the heart of the father than the elder did. Because, you know, if the elder had the father's heart, he would have come in out of the field and when he found out that his brother was home and there was a party going on in the house, he would have come out of the field, took off his work clothes, and put on his party clothes and celebrated with everybody else. The elder, the elder had a checklist of what needed to be done. I'm, I'm finishing, so you all hear me. He needed to stay faithful, and he needed to stay with the Father's Word. The elder had a checklist of the what but the elder didn't have the heart of the why. The elder was at home with the father, but was never one with the father. And the message that God has for us today while we're praying for our prodigals to come home, the message he's got for us today is that we would seek to have the Father's heart, that we would be one with the King of kings and one with the Lord of lords, that our heart would be one with his heart. How does that manifest itself? Would you stand with me? It manifests itself simply in And what's given to us there in Galatians when Paul writes to us of the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Meekness, temperance against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts if we live in the Spirit let us also walk in the spirit and let us not be desirous of of vainglory provoking one another, envying one another. My desire as pastor of the church is that we wouldn't just be in the house but we would be one with the Father. That we wouldn't just be faithful to the church and faithful to the word but we would also share the heart of the father that our thinking would be kingdom thinking put yourself in the father's position for just a minute and if you had a son that decided that he wanted to take his inheritance and just go off and blow it He wanted to take what he had and go blow it. Sleeping around, partying, wasting his life and his substance. I dare say that before we would have embraced him, we would have embraced him, I'm sure, when he came back home, but before there would have been a party, some of us would have been drawing up a contract. Some of us would be saying, okay, I need you to sign on this line that you're not going to do this ever again, boy. You've embarrassed me and your mama. you shame shamed my name. We would have had a really good speech that we would have thrown out of his way. But we see the heart of the father when he's met with love. And then the boy that never left home but was faithful... There, working, in the Word. And all of that never learned the Father's heart. A certain man had two sons. One went out and came back. One stayed, but never became one with the Father. Let's pray together right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord, to think like you think. And help us to know, Lord, that to think like you think, that we need to be filled with your Spirit, walk in your Spirit, be one with you. I pray, Lord, for all of us in this congregation, that there would be such a desire for the things of God that it would overwhelm everything else in our life. but God, we would want to know you, want to have your heart, want to be like you. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah.